is up everyone welcome to the mj sportscast show season one episode seven my name is mike tang joined by my co-host jerry yang hey what up everyone ready to talk some sports all right so we had another week of the nfl i believe it was uh week 10 here we had a lot of things going on in the bay area um let's first recap um the 49ers versus the new orleans saints here uh the niners um, they actually lost this game, twenty-seven to thirteen. What are your thoughts on on the game last Sunday, Jerry? Ah, uh, so I think overall, to the not so we lost. So there's definitely gonna be more um, negatives and positives. Mm-hmm. But from a positive standpoint, I think we came out with a solid game plan and a solid defensive plan as well. Um, I know the score was 27 to 13, but in the first quarter, um, the team actually looked really good on the opening drive. Um, it was a little bit shaky at times with Mullins and, um, but Kyle's game plan, Kyle Shanahan's game plan actually worked out really well. We extended the drive, had a really, um, long drive to keep Drew Brees off the field, which is great because <laughs> their offense is high impacting as we talked about last week. Um, so a really solid game plan. We held um, held the offense in check from from the Saints standpoint, and um, a few callouts I think that were um, really good is um, Kinlaw. Um, so Kinlaw, Javon Kinlaw looked really good in this game. He had his first career sack, which is amazing. I don't think um, you know we expected that, and he he looked a little bit more comfortable out there. So I think it was it was a really good thing. And I think our right receivers also balled out. Um, Jordan Reed and Kendrick Bourne um, in particular. Um, Jordan Reed made an amazing highlight catch. I think everyone on ESPN has been highlighting that. And Kendrick Bourne um, extended out for a few catches that were supposed to be incomplete, but he made plays on those. And it was great to see him back out there after the whole COVID scare. So, um, So that's from the positive standpoint. And on the negative part of things and where things really went south, I think there were a few key moments. I think the one that's talked about the most was that flag on the sack by Andres by um, Catavia Street. Um, It kind of gave me a flashback of the Ahmed Brooks sack on Breeze in 2013. But I think that that flag changed the momentum of the game. Um, Instead of having a third and long, the, um, the Saints had a short and first down. Uh, short first down and goal, right? So that that completely swung the game around. I think six plays later, they were able to score a touchdown there. So um, I know um, Breeze had broken ribs um, prior to the game, and after the sack, they talked about having multiple um, broken ribs plus a collapsed lung. Um, so that that really hurts. I mean, I think the flag was more for the person rather than the actual like penalty, which really unfortunate, right? I think there's definitely a bias towards protecting the quarterback, which I totally understand. But at the same time, we robbed, you know, Street of his probably his best play of his whole career. So, um, so that was a big loss opportunity. And then on special teams, I think was definitely the biggest change of momentum and change of reason why we lost. I think from the Trent. Taylor's like no catch and then the punt actually hits the ball actually hits um 
Ken Webster. Um, so the team was turning it over there for a short um, distance for Breeze to work on. And then Richie James muffing that punt later. And then even before that, there was a 75-yard kickoff return for Dante Harris, right, who had an amazing special teams um, game after his initial fumble. I think the team actually did really well to force a fumble for Harris in the beginning of that game. So Mm -hmm. um, in the end, I think also what it comes down to was a horrible offense by Nick Mullins. Um, Nick Mullins was just not good. The running game couldn't get going. McKinnon has been ineffective this whole season. I think he had one game where he looked like he was trending up, but um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess <laughs> at the same time, he's our 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 healthiest uh, running back, which is really surprising given his injury history and and um, and how he was um, throughout his whole career with the Niners. He he's a guy that I think we're really depending on. Um, so, Mike, I think that's my initial thoughts. I think there was a few good things that came out of it, but overall, uh, a lot of big moments really swung the game. Um, so. Yeah, my thoughts are, Jerry, that uh, the Niners actually had um, – they were actually playing well um, here, and they were limiting the Saints' offense before our special teams. Um, basically, what you mentioned uh, failed um, those three instances – there, which gave uh, New Orleans such great field position, and unfortunately, when you, you know, when you get the ball um, on your opponent's like twenty or thirty yard line, you're going to bound to score. And with that Saints offense, with Alvin Kamara there, you know, eventually they were going to, you know, keep scoring. And unfortunately, you know, like it's just very mind boggling because Shanahan mentioned that um, the the team played hard, yet. You, you know, there are just so many mistakes um, that happens. And when you're such and when you're a team like the Niners and you don't have most of your your star players and you're probably like a, um, you're not a favorite playing at on the road, you can't you can't muff special teams. You can't just fumble a punt. You can't give up a 75 yard return, um, I believe, in the first half there. It's just. As a fan, it was just very frustrating to watch um, here. On top of that, Nick Mullins, um, you you just had a sense during the game that Nick Mullins was not going to win the game for you, you know, no matter how close the score was. I think it was maybe like a one or two score game in the second half, and you just have that feeling that Nick Mullins is just not going to get it done. Uh, Looking at his stats, he had what, 247 yards uh, passing, a touchdown, and two interceptions there, and also a couple of sacks on top of that. Um, you mentioned uh, Kendrick Bourne and Jordan Reed. I thought they did fairly well um, there. Brandon Ayuk was um, was targeted for, for 75 yards receiving, and um, the running game was just non-existent. And uh, when you're on the road and you're – at a disadvantage already, you have to establish that running game right off, right from the start here. And McKinnon, like, I think most of the season, McKinnon has just been babied. Um, They've been giving him so much rest um, there. And I think at the end of the season, we're just going to have to realize that McKinnon um, is not going to be part of our running back core. He he averaged um, 1.8 yards per carry this last game here and he got most of the carries 
He had 18 carries for 33 yards. The next closest guy on the on the roster, three carries, Jermichael Hasty, and he left with an injury um, there. So it was a tough game. Um, fortunately, like Shanahan said, they still have aspirations to make the playoffs there, and maybe this bye week came at the best time for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think one of the most disappointing things for me is that once uh, Breeze actually got knocked out of the game and they put James Winston in, Jameis Winston mm-hmm. in, I, I thought we had a chance to come back, right? I think Jameis Winston was pretty ineffective compared to Breeze, where he only had 63 yards and there was two sacks on there on him with a 78.3 quarterback rating versus 103 Point four quarterback rating that Breeze was holding um, before he got knocked out. So I thought we could have taken advantage there. And there was a few times where um, <clears throat> I thought, you know, the in- interceptions from Nick Mullins was really costly. Um, just having that interior line play, like not being able to get that third and one on two plays before the half really hurt. And the Saints was able to score a touchdown there. And one of the things I... I thought the interior line or the offensive line could have done was to stop CJ Gardner Johnson more. I think that was much talked about in KBR as well, where he continuously was unblocked, right? Mm -hmm. There was no coverage there. I think one of the failures of McKinnon also was picking up that blitz and being able to, to cover, um, you know, Mullins from, from CJ having a dominant day. Um, that guy, I think we heard that guy's name called multiple times, and and the coaching staff just didn't make adjustments to account for him. And I think that's a big fail, fail from the coach there. Um, and yeah, so it goes back to that. I think in the end, you know, we we kind of beat ourselves in that game in a lot of ways. Uh, I think we had a good chance to win, and we looked, um, we had a better game plan than the um, Bucks had the week before against the Saints, and. Um, all that prep time, I think, paid off, right? And showing that that uh, versatility that we have and also the coaches have been coming with a strong game plan. It's just once we execute the game plan, um, I don't know if the coaches are, are overthinking it or we're committing to their game plan, but um, there's certain adjustments I thought the coaches could have made that, that weren't done. And that also ended up costing us a game. So. Yeah, so our record now, Jerry, is is it what four and six? Four and six. Four, yep. four four and six. six. What is what do you think our panic level is going into the bye week? <sighs> you know, I think panic level is pretty relative because what what are we panicking about at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Are we panicking about not being able to win the Super Bowl? If that's your bar, then obviously really high, right? This team is not a Super Bowl caliber team. Um a playoff caliber team, also pretty debatable at this point. Um, seeing this last game, it's almost like a playoff game for us, right? It's a must win for us to keep ourselves within the division. And with this loss now, we really set ourselves back. Um, the Seahawks, which is right above us, is 6-3. and three. And so we, if we had won this game, we would have been 5-5, five and, five and five, right? Um, so we would have kept up with the rest of the division at this point. Um, so I think for my panic level, pretty high. I would say from 1 to 10. If we're looking at our Super Bowl chances, obviously it's a 10. Playoff right. hopes, it's going to be like a 7. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess at a certain point, we just have to ask ourselves, are we still panicking 
or are we just going to enjoy the games and see what ha- whatever happens happens right and at this point for Vegas, I'm looking at some Vegas odds um, on what the playoff picture will be and what the draft order is we're projected to pick 12th overall and if we're projected 12th overall that means Vegas has us out of the playoff hunt right Right. Um, not even in the bubble at that point, right? So, so it might be you know close to that time where we start thinking about draft picks. I'm not saying tanking, like well, I think I talked about in the last uh, episode. Tanking is not a fun game to watch, and that's something we should hope for. Um, but I think we just have to realign our expectations, right? Um, going to each game, I think we just have to take it game by game. Hope we win a couple of them and. Um, find some you know good moments that we can look at and remember the season by and also for the Niners sake to look at a few players and evaluate who are keepers and who are guys that we have to part ways with um, if anything I think winning will help increase trade values for a lot of the players as well if we were to part with them um, so it can, only, it can only mean good things for us to win um, mm-hmm. overall um, but if we're looking at trying to make the season another championship season, I, I are, the odds are stacked against us. Yeah, um, my panic level in a scale of one to ten would probably be a six at this point here. I think with all the injuries we already know coming in, that we're most likely not going to make the playoffs, and I think most fans um, have accepted that already um, here. Do fans have expectations that the next quarterback like Mullins will come up and start winning games and start looking great? Yeah, some fans might might look at it that way, but I don't. I I don't see Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard um, being quarterbacks of the future um, here. They're just basically fillers for this for this lost season, basically, unless they somehow start piling up a winning streak after the bye week. Um, Shanahan mentioned that in previous teams like the Redskins, he they started the season three and six going into the bye week, went on a run and actually won a division title one time. But I think he failed to mention that um, the teams in that NFC East wasn't as good as the NFC West that we're in right now, such as the Seahawks, the Cardinals even the Rams um, there. So it's going to be an uphill battle. And um, yeah, like what you mentioned, just enjoy the games for what it is and just see how it goes. Yeah. Let me ask you this though, for, you know, the way I look at Mullins is kind of reminds me of um, JT O'Sullivan. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. those years, right? Where yeah. he gets really locked in on the receiver and he's easy to read. And if he gets a little bit hurried, he starts panicking and making these wild passes and results in interceptions or incompletions. Right. Um, given the the backup quarterbacks we have today, would you keep any of them? Would you be looking to trade them or what's your pulse on that? Or should we like start new with, you know, new backups um, to kind of fit into the system? Um, I, I know Shanahan has invested a lot into these two players, right? Especially CJ right. Beathard and he has probably emotional connections to them. But for the, that aside, um, what do you think is the best move for the Niners there? I would say most likely they're going to keep one of the backups. And if I was to guess, I think Mullins is probably going to leave in free agency. 
and Bethards will probably stay at least another year here. And I think Shanahan was laying out hope for Bethard to maybe develop into a quarterback that can read through the progressions a little bit better there. It's something that Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins has definitely lacked throughout their time um, as a Niner. So if I was to guess, it'll probably be Bethard, and then we'll probably draft a quarterback uh, within the first three or four rounds. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think Bethard is probably um, the one we keep. And I think one of the underrated things about Bethard was is two things, actually. I think he has a better arm than Mullins, and mm-hmm. he's actually more of a mobile quarterback compared to Mullins and even Jimmy, right? <laughs> um, surprisingly, if you look at some of his highlights, he actually is a lot more mobile. Um, will he become our franchise QB? No way. Right? <laughs> I don't think that's ever yeah. going to happen. But if we are to draft a franchise QB or we go to a direction where we start running, having more of a mobile quarterback, I think he will fit in that system a little bit more. right? So if we get someone like a Kyler Murray or like a Lamar Jackson where the quarterback um, has more options to to be able to run the ball a little bit, you will want someone that fits in that same system if that quarterback were to go down. Right? And for mobile quarterbacks, that's a higher risk in a lot of ways. So having another mobile quarterback that can run the, run that same um, game plan, I think, is a plus. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, C.J. Beathard. And I think the division part of it, I also agree. I mean, if we were in the NFC West or East, rather, we're in the NFC East, we'll be leading the division right now. <laughs> the Eagles are on top of that division at three and five. Right, and we're four and six. Right. So it's if we're in that division, the rest of the opponents are falling back. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with Shanahan that there could be a chance to make a run for it. But given our division, we're we're probably the most stacked division at this point. I think from a winning percentage standpoint, everyone has a close to five hundred or more record. Right, I think we're the only ones that are under five hundred. <laughs> everyone else is six and three tied throughout. So. Um, even with wild card hopes, I think those teams will probably probably all be in it. I think. So. Yeah. So looking ahead here, uh, the Forty ers are in a bye week this week, and uh, they will they will go to um, play the Rams at at um, at L.A. over there. So they have some winnable games. They also are facing the Bills, who are pretty good. They're gonna vi- the Bills are gonna visit the Niners, um, and then the Washington Football Team will visit the 49ers in the middle of December. Mm-hmm. Um, do you how do you do you see them maybe going two and one out of that stretch here, yeah. or? <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, it's hard to say right at this point. I think. Um... Looking at the schedule, I think the Bills are going to be tough. Um, Washington is winnable. Cowboys is winnable. And then the last two games is a little bit hard to say, mainly because we don't know who's coming back, right? If Jimmy right. Garoppolo were to come back um, for the Cardinals game in, was it, week 16, um, and be able to play the last two games, I do like our chances a lot better to win those two games. Um, and yeah. at that point, maybe they've also clinched the division. One of those two teams might have clinched the division and start resting some of their players. Then definitely will have a chance to win those games, right? And at that point, 
um, it's more of just trying to highlight what our team can do and kind of define it there. So I think out of the six games, I think the Rams was winnable in this next game, but they're going to be tough, right? They're going to be better. They're going to be hungrier, and it's on the road in L.A. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely recap that. But I think they're going to be a lot tougher. The Bills are, you know, a dynamic team with Allen and – um, they don't really have a running game there. I think Zach Moss is coming up a little bit, but you know we're pretty good at stopping the run. But then they also have um, Stephon Diggs over there, and um, I know John Brown's been dinged up, but if he comes back with Cole Beasley, they, they're going to have some offensive arsenal there that we might not be able to stop. Right. So for, I'm going the good news is we're at home there too, so I think that's going to help us. And then I think Washington's a little bit underrated. I think with Alex Smith out there, it's going to be tough as well. So <laughs> I wouldn't say that's a guaranteed win, but I think it's definitely a, a game that we should be able to win. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do drop that game. And then for the Cowboys, um, with their injury situation, I give our team a pretty good chance, right? Um, the unpredictability is that Andy Dalton will be back this next game. So I think we should keep an eye out for Andy Dalton and see how well he does and if he if the offense has picked it up um, given all this rest and all the stuff they have. So um, I think they're coming off of a bye as well. So they'll be definitely revising their game plan and having um, – the game plan that they're going to play uh, for the remainder of the season. But I think out of all those games, the Cowboys game will probably be the, um, the, our best chance to win. So, so yeah, so I think um, two and six is definitely in the cards. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if we go one and five too, <laughs> given how tough the, the schedule p- plays out. Right. So, and also the other direction too, I wouldn't be surprised if we go, you know, four and two, um, if some of our injured players come back, I think even George Kittle, I think has a chance to come back this season. Um, so then that'll change it a little bit. And then Ben Garland, our center might come back as well. Um, right. And that'll change the yes. dynamics. And one interesting thing that I'll bring up is that I've been hearing around, um, you know, the Twitter sphere and some of the news articles I'm reading that there might be a COVID pause um, for one or two weeks to, kind of situate the COVID situation. If that's the case, then our injured players probably have a good chance of coming back, right? <laughs> and that definitely will change um, the playoff scenario a little bit as well. So um, I'm not going to count on that, but just, you know, some rumors I've been hearing out there that, that could work in Niners' favor. So, so, Mike, what do you think about my analysis there? Do you agree with it? Is there any game that you would disagree with? Well, I think kind of looking at looking at it from a just a total six game standpoint um, could be a little bit um, we can be looking at it like too much long-term. I think like it's best to kind of break it down into the next four games. And if we can go three and one in the next four games, our record will be seven and seven going into the last two. And then if, if that's the case, then we would probably have to win out against the Cardinals and against the Seahawks to have a chance at the playoffs there. And I think that's what Shanahan is hoping here. And he, I think from what the schedule looks like, he sees winnable games. I think he, he feels like the Rams game is winnable. Um, the Bills game, we, we just haven't faced the Bills in a long time. So who knows how the Bills will do coming into Santa Clara there. And then the Washington game and Cowboys game, I think those are two very winnable games that the Niners can take advantage of um, there. Hopefully they can get um, 
they can get Mostert back and they, they can get Jeff Wilson Jr. back um, for those games there. And if we just establish our running game and take control of the ball and field position, I think we have a we have a crying chance and to get to seven and seven. Yeah, I think Moser and Coleman might be back after this bye, right? So we might get them sooner or right. later. Probably get Sherman back on the defensive end as well. Um, so mm-hmm. th- I think that's going to be some key pieces there. I think I'm pretty excited to see you know Sherman and uh, Jason Verrett out there at the same time. I don't think we've seen that yet, so that'll be interesting to. See the two long-haired, uh, you know, cornerbacks covering for us there. So that'll be, that'll be fun yeah. to see. And and um, tomorrow's game. So today we're recording this is Wednesday. Tomorrow's uh, Thursday night game is the Cardinals versus the Seahawks, right? So we'll they'll, yeah. they'll definitely have to do a split there. And um, so yeah, so I think I agree with you that it's definitely winnable games. Um, I think this week is actually really exciting for our division because <laughs> we're all playing our division opponents. I think they call it like rivalry week or whatever it is. Um, I think last week was too, as <laughs> but this week is definitely a rivalry week for us. So yeah, it will be interesting to see. Yeah. So the Las Vegas Raiders are a little bit on a roll here. They beat the Broncos uh, this past Sunday, 37 to 12. Um, looks like uh, the running game over there Um Got it done. Josh Jacobs had 112 y- yards rushing on there with a couple touchdowns. And also Booker had 81 yards, too, and a couple touchdowns as well. Um, it looks like they helped the Broncos to, you know, 12 points. Their defense was pretty spectacular with four interceptions, a fumble, and a couple sacks um, there. What are your um, thoughts from just kind of watching that game? After yeah, after the Niners last yeah, Sunday. I think it was a big day for the running backs. I think Josh Jacobs did an amazing job, but the highlight really is Booker. He's playing against his former team, so he's probably feeling a little bit more driven. But he he looked really good in that game. I think that's the best I've ever seen um, Dante Booker out there. Right, <laughs> um, so definitely give him props there. And then yeah, as you mentioned, the defense and the secondary actually looked really good. They tied their you know season high of interceptions and turnovers with four ends one fumble and two sacks um jeff heath uh had two ends himself so he had a monster of a day and then the game um the interception that sealed the game was actually by nick Kowalski with this amazing one-hander interception um so mike i don't know if you saw it but you know it'd be worth for you to go back just to see that highlight because that that's that was one like comparable to that Jordan Reed uh, reception, right? Uh, I don't even know how that guy did that. And <laughs> so it was good, good, part, good work on his part. And then uh, I think having um, their safety, um, Jonathan Abrams and cornerback uh, Trayvon Mullins back from injury really helped that team. Um, they definitely look a lot more comfortable on defense and they show that they're a little bit more dominant uh, on that side. And then the offensive line played well. I think Derek Hart had a lot of time to throw, and um, the stats really, <clears throat> really reflect that as well. So, so overall, I think he he had a really good game. I think he didn't have any um, touchdown passes, but he had a few key like third down um, drives where he uh, converted. So that that really helped him out. So it was a one fifty four yards on with eighty one QB rating. So and he was a sack in this whole game. So that offensive line definitely held out pretty well. Um, and the big plays that he made were all to Darren Waller. 
Um, and Henry Ruggs got in a little bit on this game, right? Um, so that was really good for him as well. Um, and on the other side of the ball, I think Drew Locke um, definitely looked the way we thought he would. <laughs> 257 yards, um, one, one touchdown, and of course, four ins and two sacks, right? So um, definitely a disappointing game for him. Um, I think their best receiver was Jerry Judy at that point. And that was only by a thin margin with four receptions and 68 yards. So, so yeah, it was a, overall, I think, a good game for the Raiders. And um, I think this next matchup is going to be really important for them, obviously, because they're going to be facing the Kansas City Chiefs, whom they won already once. I think the uphill battle will be um, the fact that Kansas City is coming off of a bye. Um, so they're going to be a lot more hungry, a lot more rested, and they have longer time to game plan for them. So, so yeah, overall, I think the Raiders are still looking in pretty good shape uh, overall. And um, as a Raider fan, you can't help but be excited for, for the future there. So what did you see in this, Mike? I, know, I don't know if you uh, saw the full game or not like I did, but <laughs> just want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, like the running game basically carried this team um, three games in a row here. However, the Raiders, their passing game has been lacking. They finished with about 150 so yards passing, which made it about, you know, the third game in a row with fewer than 200 passing yards, which is pretty concerning, especially if you have to play teams like Kansas City um, in the future and you would have to probably pass the ball a little bit more um, there. Um, but their special teams was a lot better as opposed to that San Francisco team that we were talking about. Um, their punter had a net punting average about 43 and a half yards. Um, and their special teams unit, uh, actually allowed zero punt return yards, which was awesome. And just 57 kickoff return yards there. So you can just tell, um, from those little details and special teams that if you take care of the, you know, take care of the ball, um, play field position, you don't have to have an explosive offense to win games. Um, you just don't make mistakes and play good defense, run the ball. And, and uh, most of the time you, you can win the game. Yeah. And I think we can look at the remaining schedule of the Raiders. So this coming Sunday mm-hmm. is going to be pretty tough. Obviously Sunday night football with the Chiefs, but at least they're at home. But then after that, they have the Falcons. I think that's totally winnable. Mm-hmm. Falcons don't look really good right now. The Jets, obviously, is the worst team in the league, which is next. They have the Colts at home. That's going to be a tough game. Chargers will be a tough game. I think Dolphins will be tough, but definitely winnable at home. And then they're going to play the Broncos again, who they won. So I think that's going to be on the road for the last game. But they're still you know, definitely the better team there. So given this schedule, I think the future looks pretty bright for them. I think they're going to at least win four four out of um, the remaining uh, seven games there, um, if not win, you know, most of them, right? <laughs> I mean, if not win, like, um, sorry, not maybe even win six of them, I mean. Um, so I, definitely definitely good, looking good for the Raiders. And I think that schedule, you know, I, I would rather have that for the Niners <laughs> schedule um, than the one we have, right? right. So, um but definitely winnable. Definitely, I think can get them uh, pretty pretty firm um, command of the uh, playoff picture if they were to to win four of those games. Um, yeah, absolutely. There, and um, you know the favorable schedule works great. You know for the Raiders. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have to see 
you never know, um, especially in the NFL. It, you're always like an injury or two away from going on a losing streak or you can just kind of run the table. So I'm kind of excited to see how the Raiders will do the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, it's amazing that they're 6-3 and three and they're still second in that division. So it goes to show that the, the Chiefs are still super dominant at 8-1, and one, right? Um, the Chiefs are coming yeah. off of a four-game winning streak and the Raiders coming off a three-game winning streak. So, um, so I think this Sunday's game is going to be pretty much a must win for them. So um, I think previewing this game, they they have to do what they did last time. They just have to be able to shut out Kelsey and make sure uh, Patrick Mahomes can't run on them. I think that's one of the key things they did in their last game. Um, I know Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, playing against the Panthers were amazing, right? He had like four touchdowns and 372 yards. <laughs> so that, that was a game right before their bye. So they're, you know, that's going to be pretty tough. Um, I know the Raiders did also let Mahomes have 300-plus um, yards and two touchdowns as well in their last meeting. But the overall QB, QB rating was only 83.5 because they had one in and three sacks on them. So they can continue that up and um, make Mahomes uncomfortable, get a couple turnovers. Uh, one amazing thing is they did shut down that running game. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only had four yards on 10 rushes there. I think that's one one of the worst games that he had. Um, so, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, definitely with that short uh, shorter rest compared to the KC, I think we'll factor in. Um, but, but the one loss that KC had was against this Raiders team. So there might be some, you know, psychological advantage there, hopefully, for them. So. Yeah, and we'll talk about our picks <clears throat> later in the show regarding this <laughs> game. <laughs> All right, do you want to talk about some uh, major league baseball? Yeah, stuff, sure. Major Jared? league baseball. I think um, you know. I think in news we had uh, Drew Smiley cashing um, signing with the Braves for eleven million dollar deal for one year. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, we have to say goodbye. I know in our last uh, couple episodes, we talked about how he was definitely a key guy that we would have loved to see back. Um, so, mm-hmm. Mike, I mean, what are your thoughts on on this um, signing? Um, do you think the Giants should work a little bit harder to try to keep him? Yeah, I think that once Kevin Gaussman signed officially for over $15 million, it was very tough for the Giants um, to bring back Smiley. And probably couldn't offer more than ten million um, per year here. And basically, what Drew Smiley did was turn five starts with the Giants in twenty twenty in this short pandemic um, season into eleven million dollars. That's what basically. That's yeah, what he I basically think his estimated did. Estimated value was eight point <laughs> five mil, right? But he definitely exceeded that. Yeah. So basically, what he did, what he he was basically like a million or two, um, uh, a million or two. Um, for his salary until and he turned it over 10 million that's good for him but uh, he did have some pretty good stats um, he had about 14 strikeouts per nine innings which was higher than the Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer and also Jacob de, de Grom um, here and the Braves they just had a need they signed Cole Hamels um, last season to 18 million dollars and guess how many innings guess how guess how many innings they got less than 10 maybe just 10 throw- he had three, he had three oh and a third. Oh, my God. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> so, 
so they had so they just had a need uh, there, and the, the Braves are in win win all mode at this point. Definitely um, came close, and I think so, that Juice, yeah. yeah, and Juice Smiley, you know, he was able to add you know about two and a half miles per hour to each of his pitches, which greatly helped his average fastball. So his average fastball was about nine, 93.8 miles per hour um, there. So that added velocity, it, it helped um, it helped him achieve those strikeout rates um, there and just basically gave him kind of like a career year in five starts. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Drew Smiley, but it's unfortunate that the Giants couldn't bring him back because we definitely need some starting yeah, pitching help. Um, the Braves also probably signed him because they needed another left-hander in there. I think they had Max Fry. I think was the only other left-hander. That everyone else was a right-hander, right? So that probably added to <clears throat> some of the decision making there as well. I think. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to. Um, I want to call this segment like a giant zoom in, or maybe like a team position zoom in, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we kind of break down. Uh, one position out of like a team that we so last time we did closers I think this time we'll do catchers on um, the catcher position and okay. I'm curious to get my thoughts on the catcher position right so Tyler Hyman signed with the Cardinals so we know he's not coming back um, we did talk about Joey Bart's um, you know less than impressive in performance but it was given his first year and also, it was a kind of an odd, odd year due to COVID with the reduced schedule. Um, but what what should we do going forward? Right. So let me um, break down some of the options I'm thinking in my head, Mike, and I'll give you a chance to comment on them and give your give your uh, you know your insight on that as well. So I think the first option is keep Joey Barr in the majors, have him back up Posey. Um, you know, rotate him during Tozy's off days, or maybe if we're, you know, want to swap out for some reason a DH batter or whatever we want to do, we can use him to try to improve his stats. I know in 2020, he didn't really have good stats, right? From a batting pers- percentage, he only had 233, no home runs. Um, so that's so from a DH perspective, maybe he wouldn't be a good DH per se. But he'll probably be just like a backup to Posey if Posey needs an off day, right? Second option: send mm-hmm. Bart to the minors, have him develop, um, start Posey, and keep Chadwick Thump as a backup. I know they have um, Chadwick Thump um, that's on their uh, roster right now as well. Uh, Thump isn't that much better though. Um, he has two thir- uh, two uh, two thirteen batting average. Um, but he had four home runs, so that's four more than what um, what Bart had. Um, and Posey didn't look so good too in his last um, last year um, before he took that time off, right? With the two fifty seven, and he had seven home runs, which is great. Um, but you know those those numbers are a little bit skewed because it's twenty nineteen with a full schedule. So given a condensed schedule, I'm not sure if Posey would have as many home runs. Um, probably, you know, just as many, probably between Bart, um, I would say, and Thrump. So that, but that could be an option where we just send Bart back, keep that starting lineup. And then option three, maybe sign a free agent to start or to back up Posey or maybe move Posey to first base or trade him off, right? So the top catchers right now, and free agent is Yadier Molina, Wilson Ramos, 
uh, and JT Rimoto. Um, so those are, I think, the top three guys. I know Rimoto is a little bit hurt from the season. Um, so I think for given that, um, for me personally, I think the answer is obvious. We're going to do option two, where we send Bart to the minors to develop, start Posey, keep Trump as a backup, or Thrump, sorry, <laughs> as a backup. And maybe, uh, you know, see what Thrump can do. And then once um, Joey Bart has maybe two or three more years under his belt in the minors, maybe we can think about calling him up. And that's when we, we can seriously consider moving Posey. Um, but, Mike, what are your thoughts? Maybe you can help me break this down a little bit on on what the which option you think is best. And also, how, how important you think the catcher position is these days? I think I know it's important on the defensive side of things, but are we really leaning on catchers to get um, good stats and good batting averages? I know Posey was a little bit of an outlier, um, and but notoriously in the past, the catcher position hasn't been um, a very offensive dominant um, players, right? There's a few exceptions, but you know, mm-hmm. um, going forward though, I'll be curious to get your thoughts if you think that that, that has changed. Yeah, so I think you presented three very good options um, there. I'm going to eliminate the last option, option three, which is signing a free agent to start. I don't think the Giants are in the market to sign a free agent catcher. So if they sign a free agent catcher like Molina or like someone like Jason Castro there, they're both 38 years old and 34 years old, respectively. And that's the same age as Buzzer Posey. And I don't think they want to jam up that position per se and also pay someone, you know, over three to four million dollars when they could spend um, they could spend that on something else that they need um, there. And that I think that notion of moving Posey to another position is very overstated over the years, because, first of all, Posey is making over. I think over 20 million or over 23 million or so here. And if you move him to first base, he's not going to hit like a $23 million first baseman. And on top of that, then you would also have to move Brandon belt to another position. And his best position is first base defensively and offensively um, there. So I think moving, I just think moving Posey to another position is just out of the question at this point here. And Basically, Posey's greatest asset is defensively and calling games. And I think the Giants would be wise if they just keep him, you know, in the backstop um, there. Um, you mentioned option two, um, Jerry, uh, sending Bart to the minors to develop. And I think that's what Farhan um, really anticipates there. So we really anticipate Posey to come back fully healthy, uh, ready to go. And it also have a backup, such as what you mentioned, Chatwick, um, Chatwick Trump um, there. So you asked about um, how important the, the catcher position, mm-hmm. correct? Let's see. Um, the thing is about the catcher position is that the most important part of the catcher position is defense and leadership. And most catchers, they aren't asked to hit cleanup or even third. If you look if you just look throughout history, history, the history of baseball is that the catcher is probably like the least offensive player on the team there. 
And most franchises, they keep two catchers. One who's relatively, okay, they hit like 270 or 270. They hit like 260 or 270. They may knock down like 10 to 15 home runs. And then you have like a defensive catcher who plays like two to three games per week. So then that first string catcher could get some rest um, there. So the thing is, is that the catcher position, okay, may, we may have some one-off players who will hit like 40 home runs um, here or there. But then the thing is, is that if you have a low offensive catcher like Posey at, at this point of his career, who we don't expect to hit 20 home runs, will he even hit 15 home runs? We don't know that, right? But the thing is, if he does do that, if he only hits 10 to 15 home runs and hits 250, that kind of player on your team, it doesn't keep your team from winning long term. I see. So I guess the question is, do you think it changes though, right? Like I know we notoriously thought that um, for catchers and shortstops being, you know, some of the worst positions, but on the Giants, I think the shortstop mm-hmm. um, Crawford is Brandon Crawford's probably one of our top hitters right now. Right. So um I don't know if Posey coming in, you know, given a year off, if he his stats will improve. Um, and also, mm-hmm. has a team game planner built a team around having a catcher that's a little bit more versatile, right? And being able to not, you know, necessarily play clean up like we've been used to, right? But maybe, you know, like, you know, the second hole or the fifth hole, right? <laughs> a little bit more lower in the depth chart, a little bit, but still yeah. within you know, you're, you're starting four, I would say, right? Um, what do you think? Well, I think they envision Joey Bart to be in that spot there, probably hitting around the fifth or sixth hole in the lineup. We've already tried um, batting Buster Posey um, third, fourth, and fifth in the last, like, three to four years. And you can take a look at his stats. He hasn't really produced very um, – he hasn't really produced a lot of home runs um, there. And RBIs. So are we really going to put ourselves in that position again when we have other viable players in our roster that can fill that third, fourth, or yeah, fifth spot? Do you think it was a mistake to let Tyler Hyman go? I think in the beginning of the season, I didn't think he looked too bad. Like before the injury, he was, you mm-hmm. know, obviously he's not as good as Posey. He's not going to play, you know, in the top four holes, but. You know, as a serviceable catcher, I I thought he was more serviceable than Bart, and you know we don't know what Chadwick uh, Trump would do, right? So, um, so do you think that was a mistake to let him go? Well, I'm looking at his stats here. He bat 190 mm. with, let's see, eight <laughs> hits, zero home runs, not, and six strikeouts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't think I just think like. Um, just from a business standpoint, just from a business standpoint, um, they just couldn't carry three or four catchers if you add Barton there. So you have Trump, you have Buster Posey, and you have um, like you have Bart. I just think that you just couldn't have Heinemann on there because he was he just wasn't producing. Yeah, as I was putting together like these options, I was. Uh, what really actually surprised me was Chadwick on on the team. Right? <laughs> I don't know if I remember him in right. the games where you know he had four home runs for us last year, but I don't remember him having those four home runs. So, um, what are your thoughts on him? Like, have you seen his play at all? Um, me personally, I haven't. Right? Are so... you leg- 
Oh, you yeah, mentioning yeah, Trump? Yeah, Trump. Chadwick yeah, Trump. I, I haven't seen him. Or I don't remember him playing. Yeah, there, right. So maybe, maybe he has he had some key games, maybe. But to me, he wasn't a standout at all, or not a player that you know I remember saying, "Oh, wow, okay, that's uh, we have to look more into that guy." And I just, and you know, your reaction about that player is is it represents the whole catcher position in general, right? In that the catcher position just isn't very glamorous to begin with, and you know that the player who who plays the the player that puts in um, all those innings in the backstop there it takes a toll on their knees, and that's why their 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 numbers struggle struggle so much throughout the years. And uh, just from what I saw in Trump, I think uh, you know he had some um, he definitely had some power. I, he had like several home runs at home and I think he's just he's a good backup player to be honest with you here and um, you know that we talked about the importance of the catcher position and I think what's what was missing so much last year was that um, the pitchers they lacked that chemistry with the catcher as opposed to when Posey was around and I think that was what was mainly lacking, and why our pit one of the reasons why our pitching um, our pitchers faltered at certain points in the season here. So I think, like more importantly than offense, the Giants and their coaching staff they are really looking forward to Posey's leadership and the way he I calls see. games. Do you take into account the fact that we have, you know? Um, we have a relative new pitching staff now, right? So I know our um, our first mm-hmm. starter, his name slips me right now, but um, uh, who's who's in our first hole right now? Cueto, yeah, yeah. Cueto? Sorry, yeah. Cueto's the only guy Cueto? I think that po- yeah. Buster Posey actually worked with, right? Whereas we have, you know, Gosman, Webb, and Taylor, um, Anderson, and probably we'll have to sign, like, another um, starting pitcher. Um, those guys um, have worked with Bart, right? Does that do you take into account the fact that Bart has some experience with these guys on a shorter season versus you know Posey coming in? You know, I wouldn't say cold is the right word because he does have a, obviously experience with working with um, some of the bullpen pitchers and also working with um, starting pitchers in general, a lot more experience. But if you talk about chemistry, mm-hmm. don't you think Bart has more of the advantage on chemistry? Well, I think Bart only caught about thirty games, split up between all those those pitchers there. That's more than Posey, um, right? They That's... definitely. <laughs> well, I think. Well, I think also Posey worked with some of the pitchers too, like Cueto, um, in the past, and Drew Smiley as well. And the thing that benefits Posey the most out of all out of all the catchers that we have is his experience against the other NF the other NL West teams too. So he knows a lot of the individual batters and their tendencies and what pitches to call there, something that Bart really lacked last year. Um, you can just tell he just, he just wasn't very comfortable as much as he kind of like, you know, tried it on the surface. Um, I think his, his lack of experience defensively carried over, to, carried over. Um, I guess last question on this topic do you still believe in Joey Bart? Do you think he'll eventually get there to where Posey is? Or do you think at this point he might be mm-hmm. trade bait for a different team? I think I think there is still high hopes 
for Joey Barton. It's a very short sample size of about 30 to 40 games there. But what's really concerning, though, is his strikeout to walk ratio um, during that time span. And just kind of looking at it um, here, I think it was like he had like three walks to like almost 40 strikeouts or something (laughs) like that. And that's just and that's just I mean, like and I think a lot of front office people and analytics, they really value that strikeout to walk ratio um, there. So he's going to have to improve on that moving forward. And plus, he didn't give he didn't show any power. Maybe he had some loud doubles, but he hit no home runs, too, on top of that. So if you're going to have, four, you know, that wide discrepancy of strikeout to walks, you better be you better be um, hitting some home runs at the same time. And if you're not hitting home runs, you better be doing something great defensively as well, which which Bart was just mediocre on. If I was to give him a, a rating from one to ten, it would probably be like a five at best there. So. You know, I think the, the I think Bart's going to benefit having Posey around next season, and um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch that. To be honest, I think there's some hope within the yeah, organization. Agree, yeah. for That's why I thought option one might have been something to be able to have Bart work directly under Posey on every single game, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but maybe that's a little bit too premature at this point. Maybe and hopefully, uh, I would say um, if Posey stays for you know at least three more years, maybe next year or, or sorry, the year after next, um, that maybe that's a better time to pull up Bart and have him have Posey do the direct mentorship at that point, right? Um, but yeah, I think ideally we'll have Bart start the season in the minor leagues. Hopefully, they have some sort of competitive minor league system um, once the season starts again. And hopefully there's more than, you know, 40 to 50 games. Hopefully it's a hundred game season and that we can maybe start the third of the season with Bart in the minors, get some, get some reps down there and then bring them up maybe 30 to 50 games in there. And then just kind of gradually learn from Posey and get them acclimated. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a good note, I think, to land on. So um, let's move on to sports picks. Um, I know we're a little bit early for the Niners and Rams, but um, well, I say let's give the pick because next week's mm-hmm. episode will be a little bit special. So I just want to tease that a little bit for our listeners. Um, so Niners minus two and a half at the Rams. The over-under is not out yet. So I think what we can say is, is it going to be a high-scoring or low-scoring game? I think that's what we'll pick on, right? So um, right. at two and a half, playing in L.A., um, I actually do like the Niners' chances here. I know, um, you know, with the Niners getting beyond by, um, that gives Shanahan more time to game plan. And we obviously did pretty well against the Rams mm-hmm. in the last game. And as we mentioned, I think Coleman, Tevin Coleman and um, Moser, well, he Moser might be back with um, Sherman back as well, right? So that gives some improvement on that side of the ball um, with some players back. So, um, so yeah, I'm rolling with the Niners minus two and a half here. I think the line will probably move to three and a half. Uh, usually when it's close to, you know, either three or seven, uh, it tends to go a little bit over, I think, um, depending on how people bet on. But, but yeah, I still like the Niners to win the game here. Um, so I'm taking that two and a half. 
And as far as the over-under goes, I think it will be, like this last game, probably a little bit lower scoring. Um, for the Niners to win, we have to keep it a little bit tighter, I think. We can't, can't make it like a shootout game. So if I'm picking the Niners to win, I would say it's a lower scoring game. So whatever the over-under is, I would, I would tend to think the over-under is going to be a little bit lower. My projection is probably around 48 will probably be right. Um, and I'll go under there. So well, right. what's your pick, Mike? Okay. So the, the Niners are favored two and a half, correct? Okay. I think if it's a two and a half spread, I'm going to go with the Rams here. It's going to be a low scoring game. And I think the Rams are going to um, kick a field goal to beat the Niners barely by a point or two here. So if it's two and a half, I think uh, I'm taking the Rams. If it goes three and a half, I might take the Niners. But yeah, it right might now, move I'm to one actually, given the Rams is a better team. Um, if the Rams win the, this upcoming mm-hmm. game they have, it might be Niners minus one or or Niners plus one, right? <laughs> Depending on how the Rams look in that game. So yeah. um, if that's the case, I think I would still roll with the Niners from my perspective. Um, but what would you go with if it's a pick em? Oh, the, if, or it's uh, just um, spread aside, right? Maybe it's a pick up where there's no spread. Um, yeah, what would you go with? No spread, no spread at all. Oh, I would. I think I'm okay. still going to pick the Rams here. Unfortunately, um, I just don't see the Rams losing two two games um, this season to the Niners, and uh, I think they're going to be a little bit more prepared this time. And they're at home, so um, <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, all our hope at this point, right? So, <laughs> I guess one thing I would note um, that's notable is this week's game is a Monday Night Football for the Rams at the Buccaneers. Mm. So they're gonna have a short. Okay, it'll be a short. Yeah, short rest. Yeah, short where rest. the Niners are coming off of a bye. So you know, keep your eye out for that one. But uh, just want to throw that out there in case. And they're facing the. They're Bucks, facing the Bucks in Tampa. Or... Yep. So. So I have a feeling the Rams are going to get destroyed by the Bucks, and then they're going to be mad <laughs> and want to if beat get, the Niners. The if they get destroyed, I, I can now. see the line move to three and a half, right? So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Raiders game. So this one, we definitely have spreads because it's tomorrow's game, Thursday Night Football. Oh, no, sorry, mm-hmm. it's not Thursday Night Football. It's um, this weekend's game. I'm mixing up my games here a little bit, but... It's a Raiders plus seven at KC. Over under is 56 and a half. So for me, I do like the Raiders plus seven here. Um, it's going to be, wow. I think, a closer yeah. game than people realize. I think the defense for the Raiders looked a little bit better. Um, I don't think the Raiders can run on the Chiefs as much as they do against the Broncos. So I can imagine it going to a little bit of a shootout between Carr and Mahomes. It was in the last matchup. So I'm taking it over here. I think, um, you know, I think the seven um, point spread is pretty generous in my opinion. And yeah, so I'm rolling with the Raiders plus seven. I don't know. You know, I, I think they'll win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win, but the Chiefs won't cover. Um but I do mm-hmm. like the over here. I know it's a big over under at 56 and a half. Um, but I guess one thing to look out for in terms of that spread is also weather. Um, it might get a little bit rainy yeah. there in KC. So that could 
impact over under if the weather is bad there. I imagine they have to run a little bit more. And if it becomes a running game, I will give the edge to the Raiders even more, mainly because we have better running backs. I know Clyde Edwards has been actually struggling in the last few weeks. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell hasn't looked the same. Um, so their running game has definitely been hurting. And um, Mahomes just can't run as much if uh, it's wet and rainy out there. Um, I don't think they want to take a chance at him getting injured as well. So so if it's a rainy game, I'll go with the under. If it's a perfect weather game, nice and sunny, over. How about you, Mike? Yeah. So I believe this game is going to be played at Las Vegas because the oh, first okay. game was played at KC. There, so it's just a little clarification um, on that. Uh, my pick here, I think um, I'm going to go with KC, and I think they're going to win by two touchdowns or more. Um, my my thing is, I think that I don't I don't think the Raiders can pass the ball effectively. Um, who's going to step up? That's going to be the ultimate question. Um, are we looking at you know Darren Waller? Are we looking at Hunter Renfro? Um, you're going to have to think Casey's going to game plan for Henry Ruggs because I think Ruggs um, torched them a few plays the first time around here. So I think that the Raiders are going to have a very tough time uh, moving the ball this game here. And um, I'm always, I'm always an advocate for redemption games <laughs> for teams. And I think KC, they, they remember getting, uh, getting scored on at home. And I think they're going to go to Las Vegas and, and beat them pretty Yeah, heavily. thanks for clarifying the away at home. I think I misread that one. So, yeah, definitely if that's the case that they're in Vegas, I would give the over. And I think one thing that, mm-hmm. um, to take into account, I know they're coming off of a bye, KC, so that's a little bit of a tough thing. But they're also traveling. Um, so that, that right. could also take into account. But... But yeah, I think uh, if it's in Vegas, at least there's the home edge. I know there's no fans out there, so <laughs> so I don't know how much of an edge that is. Yeah. But at least, you know, at least the Raiders don't have to travel. They have their routine there. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be an exciting game. I think that's one of the games that I'm actually looking forward to. I think all the games this week are going to be really exciting, mainly because it is rivalry week or whatever. <laughs> so there's all a lot of division, um, you know, opponents play each other and it could determine the outcome of uh, who gets it, who doesn't get it. Right. So definitely excited weekend of football. Yeah. I'm excited about it here. Um, yeah. We should, we should watch some really good games. And if you're still in fantasy football, you know, hopefully your team still has a chance at the playoffs yep. <laughs> um, there too. All right. Well, that concludes uh, this week's episode. I know we covered, you know, quite a lot here for Bay Area sports. But, um, yeah, this is uh, episode seven of the MJ Sportscast show. Uh, For Jerry Yang, I'm Mike Tang. See you later.